Hi, my name's Sam Sheen, and I'm joined as always by my friend and professional colleague, Mary Lindenberg, and this is the final episode of season one of our podcast, Captivated Audience. Season one has taken us all over the world, speaking to a wide variety of financial crime professionals, and we are going to conclude season one with some financial crime professionals based in Reykjavik, Iceland. Over to you, Marie. Thank you, Sam. It is a pleasure to welcome Gudmundur Kristiausen and Justin Birchik from Lucinity to Captivated Audience. GK, you are the CEO and founder of the company. Can I get you to tell us a little bit more about your professional background, please? Yeah, sure. Like you said, my name is Gudrun Christensen, but usually people call me GK for obvious reasons. So my background before launching Lucinity, I worked at Citibank before there in compliance technology. So I headed up quite a large unit there, uh, and we were focused on behavior analytics and how to move the surveillances of traders and employees from a rule-based solution into a thinking around how people behave. Before that, I spent six years on Nice Actimize, bringing to market you know, various products on communication surveillance and everything around human sounds and how we talk and finding human behavior through speech. Now, Justin, your background is a little bit different. You've traveled an awfully long way to be working in Iceland. Tell us a bit about your background. Sure. Well, I'm originally an Australian, but I moved to London roughly about six years ago and worked with the Financial Conduct Authority, which is the primary regulator there in the UK, to complete my PhD in artificial intelligence and deep learning. And from my perspective, to bring a sort of a new thinking to the FCA, to think, now, how can we use artificial intelligence? How can we use machine learning to analyze this extremely large amount of data that we have? After that, I moved to Iceland and met GK. And uh, we've been working at Lucinity now for about a year and a half, building the product and the, and the team. And that's a very exciting journey. Well, tell us about your product and tell us about the company Lucinity. Absolutely. In Lucinity, we believe in something what we call human AI. And this is where you take artificial intelligence and bring us a few guys together that know how to operationalize AI, because AI is not just artificial intelligence. It, it means that you really, really need to know how to apply it into a bank. The idea is that we, we are able to, to explain it in a way into the user interface, and the user interface is designed for human beings so that you can make better decisions, faster decisions, and actually understand what the AI is doing. The really clever concept here is that then we engage with the users through this, capture what they were doing in, in it, and the AI can then start to understand what it can improve and better in the AI models. So that's why this yin and the yang in our logo, that's why we call ourselves the human AI company. GK, I know as part of the product that you offer, you talk about ClearLens, which is your main mm -hmm. platform, but you also yep. have an interesting person who is part of the component of this technology. I believe her name is Lucy. How yeah. does that work? It's again about the yin and the yang around surveillance. You have detection, and that is hardcore behavior analytics, network analytics, rule-based, and knowledge graphs, and I can throw in a lot of cool technology terms. What Lucy is about is helping analysts the reviewers understand better what to do and improving the speed of the reviewers. 
For example, in our case management system, we have Lucy skills. So these are skills that like writing the narrative for the user, explaining the way that the rapid movement of funds flows through your organization through charts. Uh, Lucy picks out the top three charts of how to explain to a human being why this is rapid movement of funds, because you can then feedback on the, those charts. It's like Facebook, it starts to adapt to explain to the next alert that comes up that this is what was useful to, for this analyst and therefore, you know, I'm going to start to, to display that. And as we go along, we're introducing new skills quite often into Lucy. Our roadmap for skills will enable uh, the analyst to not just be faster, but start to understand complexity of crime much better. One of the problems with better detection systems is that they take longer in understanding in the user interface. If you detect a lot of stuff, then traditional systems, it will take you a few hours to review the alert. And therefore, there has been a pushback for more sophisticated AI because of the, the review time, the ROI that it's taken. We are kind of unbuckling that, that you're able to use Lucy to understand these complex crimes, but at the same time, doing it at the same speed as a rule-based alert. Justin, I'm curious. You're a data scientist and you have a PhD in machine learning and AI. And we're talking about combining a human mind with tech and adding that to detecting different kinds of behaviors. Can I get your points of view and your insights on using technology in order to detect behaviors? Sure. If we talk about technology, I mean, what we all always think about when we talk about artificial intelligence is deep learning. So we utilize deep learning to find complex patterns of money laundering that basic rule systems can't find. So that's what the basis of Lucinity is. As we're talking about Lucy, just to add on, you know, Lucy was, we like to think of her as our first employee. She's always been there, always advising us, always helping us to build the system better and better. And everything that we show in our system is contextualized. Every visualization, every data point, every transaction has an extreme amount of information behind it. Information that we've built up by using deep learning and machine learning, contextualize it essentially. So that's what Lucy does behind the scenes. In terms of technology, I suppose we take a behavioral approach to money laundering. Rules-based systems are basically if-else statements that say, if something happens, do A, and if there's something else happens, do B. But what we like to see is a money laundering system that actually looks at the behavior of the actor themselves. Let's look at a, a basic real life example. If a police officer is walking down the street and sees someone doing jaywalking, they're going to find them for jaywalking. They're not going to find them for fraud. They're not going to find them for murder or some other crime. They're going to find them for jaywalking. And if you think about how that police officer comes to that decision, they're looking at the behavior of that actor. They're crossing the street. The light is red. And they're probably running across really quickly. And that together formulates and forms jaywalking. And it's the same concept with money laundering. There are... I'm not going to give an exact number, but we have roughly 50 to 100 proprietary behaviors that we capture of money laundering activity. And we've built these behaviors into our knowledge graph by looking at all the regulations that are involved in money laundering. If we think about the EU, we've got AML5, we've got AML6 coming up, we've got the FATF regulations, we've got all the specific national regulations. If we think about the US, you know, we have Reg Notice 1918, the BSA AML Act, and other various regulations, and we've encoded all that information into our knowledge graph, and we use deep learning and machine learning, and when needed, rules and statistics to actually detect money laundering. And that's the approach that we take. 
So GK, tell me in terms of practicalities, what's some of the stuff you've been working on of late with financial institutions? We are going live now in a top five US bank and they bought our case management solution with UC. Their aim was to unify the front of compliance. So from AML to trade surveillance to e-com surveillance throughout with one case manager that starts to understand human behavior and not just human behavior from uh, what Justin just talked about from a detection perspective, but from their analyst behavior and starts to uh, speed up the review process of what we show to the analyst case by case. Well, as you probably know, Sam and I, we do love a good story where data, tech, and the human intelligence combined has led to detecting potential money laundering and other schemes. So, Justin, can I get you to share a story with us, please? Sure. Without naming names, of course, we do have one example of a actor that was uh, conducting a very complex set of transactions across uh, multiple jurisdictions, internationally, that is. So we had a, a certain amount of funds flowing to, to Russia, a certain amount of funds flowing to Cambodia, and the money was flowing in both directions. He was also operating a series of businesses in the local jurisdiction. And what we saw and what the case manager, or firstly, the behavioral detection was able to find was this set of intricate networks that didn't make sense and, and weren't logical. And essentially were an anomaly from the population and peer group that this guy existed in. As we raise this case to the case manager, we're able to tell the investigator, look at this specifically. Okay, there is a large amount of transactions going to this address in Russia. What Lucy is able to do is pull up Google Earth and show exactly where that money is going to, the address. And what we found is that it's a parking lot in the middle of nowhere in the distant suburbs of Moscow. And then as we look to Cambodia and we look at some of these other transactions that are occurring in, in the local jurisdiction, uh, we find that they don't make sense and that he's sending to counterparties that are PEPs that are essentially washing the money by transacting it to a, another counterparty, and the money's coming directly back to him. And this case uh, made its way to BNSR and to the regulator, and uh, it's going ahead uh, in, through that process. So Justin, as a former regulator, I've been fascinated to see in the last two, three years how attitudes of regulators uh, vary quite widely when it comes to using innovation for the detection of financial crime. Some are very concerned about the dreaded black box where they know nothing, where others are encouraging acceleration. So, you know, the European Commission with its 30 recommendations to make the jurisdiction more digitally enabled, for example. What's sort of been your take, your perception around uh, regulators' comfort when it comes to using technology like this? Uh, my perception is that regulators have advanced significantly over the last few years. So I, I would have to agree with you in their acceptance of both technology and the use of machine learning to detect, for example, money laundering for certain banks. What I saw at the FCA was great advancement, you know, a direct straight line where the organization came together and was happy to work with both startups and established players in understanding how their machine learning works. Uh, because at the end of the day, the regulator needs to understand what the banks are doing. And the banks need to understand what the regulator is able to understand so that they can work and synergistically work together to stop these horrible crimes such as money laundering. In terms of understanding the black box, I think that my time at the FCA and as I've spoken with other regulators and central banks around both the EU and the US, what I've seen is an acceptance that machine learning is starting to unwind and un unravel this black box. 
And uh, a large part of my PhD and great work being done by researchers uh, and companies over the last couple of years has been about understanding what is happening when a model makes a prediction. Because at the end of the day, deep learning, machine learning, all it does is make a prediction. It makes it an observation or a prediction. And what we want to do is understand why did it make that prediction in a way that can be explained to humans. And some of the great advancements in what's called feature attribution or feature importance frameworks around technologies called sharp integrated gradients and deep lift and these type of technologies is that when we make a prediction in a deep learning model, we can traverse back through the model all the way to the feature level. The feature level are the data points that explain what goes into the model, things that humans can understand. How much does the customer transact? Who are they transacting with? Are they transacting in a high-risk jurisdiction? Things that, that are understandable. And what that allows us to do on our case manager is to explain when we make a prediction, why we made that. And then the investigator has some data points to look at so that they can conduct the case quicker, as quickly as possible. So yes, the regulators have truly advanced in this area. And I think we're very excited to work with them and explain this technology going forward. JK, can I get your opinion on it as well, please? Yeah, absolutely. When me and Justin met, it was quite a good match because he came with a regulatory perspective and I came from a banker perspective. And when it comes to regulators understanding and, and maybe compliance officers understanding of the new era that we are about to, to enter with artificial intelligence and, and human AI, we, the technology guys, have a lot of responsibility to have compliance officers and half of our clients in how to explain these new methods to the regulators. GK, let's stay on the topic of responsibility. Your motto in Lucinity is quite extraordinary. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Yes, so our motto is make money good. And there is a lot behind that because what, what we believe is that over the past I would say two, three years, we, we've always been seeing more and more push from just consumers that, that their money is not coming from prostitution or terrorist financing and other places. So we sometimes refer to it, you know your source of your avocado, but do you know your source of your money? Do you know where your loan comes from? And we believe that there is going on a, a movement in social responsibility in the world. So we think that COVID has just supported that going forward. We believe that financial institutions will take social responsibility to the next level and start show consumers how their money is coming from good sources by enabling banks to have the most sophisticated way of detecting where the sources of money is coming from, optimizing their business, then we are enabling banks to make money good. Data privacy, big question, I know. But Justin, can you tell us a little bit on how you deal with data privacy at Lucinity? So for us, data privacy is the key objective at our company. We're dealing with very sensitive data from both our customers and of course, transaction, our customers' customers' data. So we are very well focused on make, making sure this data is protected. When you encrypt data, you don't maintain any fidelity or usefulness of that data once it's encrypted. So our first problem was we have data coming in. We want to encrypt it to protect it, but we also want to use it in data science algorithms and use it to find money laundering. So what we did was we actually developed a currently patent-pending technology that uses what's called deep autoencoders to encrypt the data. It's a form of homomorphic encryption that means that when the data comes in, 
it undergoes, well, it essentially first gets translated into a series of numeric fields, which go through what's called a, an autoencoder model, which is trained on a large series of data. And as it goes through the model, it's encrypted by going through a series of mathematical operations that are almost impossible to reverse engineer and formalizing them ending essentially with a number that is 16 digits long. So for every PII field that we have that comes into our company, it goes through this process and is translated into this 16 digit number. And what brilliant capability of this technology is, is that we can maintain what we call the distribution of the data after it's encrypted. What that means is we can maintain and use deep data science and deep learning algorithms to analyze the data in a way that we would if it wasn't encrypted. The powerful thing is the data scientists swim and we can help find money laundering better and our customers are fully protected. For us, it's a win-win. GK, last question goes to you. You're doing so many exciting things. The work sounds absolutely fascinating. What's on the horizon or in the near future we can look forward to seeing from Lucinity? We're quite proud of what we have done to date. It has been an unbelievable 20 months since we started the company. It's quite unique to have a team of people taking it to an action and delivering the product because in the end of the day, the most important thing is delivery. You can have all of these ideas, but in the end of the day, it is about servicing our customers to, with action and with delivery. And on that note, I would just like to say thank you so much to GK and Justin for taking the time out of your busy day to be here on Captivated Audience. Thank you for thank inviting you. us. And there you have it, folks. Episode 61 of Captivated Audience. It's time for us now to wrap up season one, take a good summer holiday, and we will be back in full force, probably September, I would say. So please stay tuned. Listen to all the other episodes if you haven't caught them all. And if you would like to suggest topics for us to discuss next season, please reach out to us on captivatedaudience.eu or simply look us up on LinkedIn. We have a dedicated site, Captivated Audience. Until then, Sam and I will just say thank you and please stay safe. <laughs>